This podcast is proudly brought to you by Soul Street Coffee. Start your day with a smile. You can visit them at www.soulstreetcoffee.com. And Anchor, the premier podcast hosting platform. Are you interested in launching your own podcast? Please visit them at anchor.fm. Welcome into our special edition of the 2020-21 NCAA Men's Tournament. The opening round was filled with upsets, buzzer beaters and tremendous individual performances. So we had a few followers reach out to us and asked us to do a special podcast for the Sweet 16 games that will be taking place on Saturday, March 27th and Sunday, March 28th. Hi everyone, this is Summer and I want to thank you for joining us. I am pleased to be joining Billy and Kenneth as we prepare to cover the Sweet 16. And I am pleased to welcome in Billy who has some great data on this round of 16. Thanks Summer. It is always a pleasure to join you and Kenneth. Let's take a look at some interesting data points about the round of the tournament. Favorites of 8 or more points are on a 22, 7, and 3 under, 75%, run, allowing 61.9 points per game. A pair of games have heavy favorites. Gonzaga takes on Creighton, and Arkansas faces Oral Roberts. Historically, elite teams tend to turn up the defense at this point in the tournament. Expect the Bulldogs and Razorbacks to be fully prepared to limit the opposing offenses, especially with nearly a week to prepare. Sweet 16 round is usually the end of the line for double-digit seeds, however, they have been very competitive as underdogs. Going 11, 4, and 1 ATS, 73.3%, in that role since 2012. However, they are just 4 and 12 outright. This is quite a favorable trend for UCLA, Oral Roberts, Syracuse, and Oregon State. However, keep in mind that covering and winning can be two completely different things. Sweet 16 double-digit seeds from power conferences are just 2-13 SU and 6-8-1 ATS, 42.9%, since 05, although they have covered four straight. This is an interesting branch coming off the trunk of the previous trend. Three of our four double-digit seeds are from power conferences. Only Oro Roberts is not. Does this mean Oro has the best chance to get it done this weekend? We will find out on Saturday. Summer, back over to you. Thank you, Billy. And now I would like to welcome in Kenneth for his thoughts on this round. Thanks, Summer. And for me, this is um, the best part of March Madness. Um, I know a lot of people love uh, the opening round where you get to see um, the 15 seed upset a number two seed like we saw, whether you see a number one seed uh, like Illinois going down in the uh, first weekend. But this is where the rubber meets the road in the, the round of 16 because you are now two wins away from going to the Final Four and giving yourself a really good chance of cutting down the nets. And uh, coaches will tell you, this is now a two-game tournament. Getting from the round of 16, winning two contests, and advancing on to... Um, the final four is where you start to really see all the hard work that you've put into this season. Unlike any other that we've had to experience. Uh, we saw it with college football and now we're seeing it with college basketball uh, hiccups in your schedule due to uh, COVID outbreaks, whether it was on your team, whether it's with your opponents, uh, games being canceled, what have you. All the adversity now, you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we got eight matchups um, 
over the first part of the weekend, uh, four on Saturday, four on Sunday. And if you're able to get um, out of the out of this round of 16 into the Elite Eight, you now play for the right to win your region and advance on to the Final Four a week from now. So, Summer, as I turn it back over to you, I expect to see um, some more um, fantastic performances, some really great games, but also given uh, some of the upsets that we had um, in last week's opening round, could we see another Cinderella story advance on to the Final Four, or does the clock strike midnight for some double-digit teams um, who advanced out of the um, first weekend of the uh, NCAA men's basketball tournament? On Saturday, we have the four games that will determine the participants to represent the South and Midwest brackets for the Elite Eight round and will play for a trip to the Final Four. For the Midwest region, the Oregon State Beavers will face the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, who we called in the Fighting Sister Jeans at 1.40 p.m. on CBS. The Syracuse Orangemen will face the Houston Cougars at 8.55 p.m. on TBS. For the South region, the Villanova Wildcats will face the Baylor Bears at 4.15 p.m. on CBS. The Oral Roberts Golden Eagles will face the Arkansas Razorbacks at 6.25 p.m. on TBS. For the Sunday slate will be for the East and West regions. For the West region, the Creighton Blue Jays will face the number overall seed, the Gonzaga Bulldogs at 1.10 p.m. on CBS. The Pac-12 will see two of their four remaining teams square off as the Oregon Ducks will face the USC Trojans at 8.45 p.m. on TBS. For the East region, the Florida State Seminoles will face the Michigan Wolverines at 4 p.m. on CBS. The UCLA Bruins will face the Alabama Crimson Tide at 6.15 p.m. on TBS. I am pleased to be joined now by Billy to give a look at the lines, where they opened and where things stand at the time of us recording this on Friday evening. Thanks, Summer. Let's run through the Saturday games first. Loyola Chicago opened favored by 7 over Oregon State and the over was 159.5. The line current sits with Loyola Chicago still favored by 7 and the total is slightly down to 158.5. Baylor opened favored by 6.5 over Villanova and the over was 138.5. The line current sits with Baylor favored by 7.5 and, and the total is slightly up to 141.5. Arkansas opened favored by 11 over Oral Roberts and the over was 159.5. The line current sits with Arkansas favored by 11 and a half and the total is slightly down to 158 and a half. Houston opened favored by 6 and a half over Syracuse and the over was 140 and a half. The line current sits with Houston favored by 6 and a half and the total is slightly down to 140 and a half. For the Sunday slate, Gonzaga opened favored by 13 and a half over Creighton and the over was 158 and a half. The line current sits with Gonzaga favored by 13 and the total is slightly down to 158. Michigan opened favored by 3 over Florida State and the over was 145. The line current sits with Michigan favored by 2.5 and, and the total is slightly down to 143.5. Alabama opened favored by 5.5 over UCLA and the over was 143. The line current sits with Alabama favored by 6.5 and, and the total is slightly up to 145.5. USC opened favored by 1 over Oregon and the over was 139. The line current sits with USC favored by 2 and the total is slightly down to 138. Thank you, Billy. And now, Kenneth, give the listeners your thoughts on these games on Saturday. Thanks, Summer. Thanks, Billy. As, as always, fantastic job of setting the table for me as we get ready to go through this first matchup with the Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago, and the Oregon State Beavers. going to really go through this one really quickly because I really like all of the metrics that I'm seeing in this ballgame. 
And what really truly stands out for me is the assists to field goals made by the Ramblers. In their two tournament games, ladies and gentlemen, please take a listen to, to these numbers. Um, in their opening round game against Georgia Tech, on 25 made field goals, they had 18 assists. That's 72%. 11 turnovers. You can live with that when you're getting that kind of um, assist to field goals made because what that tells me is you're getting high quality shots and shots that um, either they're knocking down from the perimeter or right there at the um, at the basket. In their last game against the number one seed in the region, um, the Fighting Illini of Illinois, um, just another spectacular performance. On 26 made field goals, 16 assists, 61% of their uh, made field goals came off of assists. When we get to this part of the bracket, and that is Sweet, um, sweet 16 to the Elite Eight and figuring out which teams are going to represent uh, each region into the Final Four, you must have tremendous guard play and a go-to player. And for the Ramblers, that's going to be um, center, six foot nine senior Cameron Kurtzwick. Averages about 15 points per game and about seven rebounds per game. To kind of give you a, a comparison um, to a guy that plays in the NBA or, or did play, a couple of people may say uh, Nikola Jokic uh, for the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to go even further back to a guy that I saw come over later in his career, but one of was one of the greatest passing big men that the NBA has ever seen. And that's Arvita Sabonis, played years with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, just a skillful uh, guy around the rim, uh, knew how to make the, the right basketball play, if you will, whether it was a kick out to an open uh, shooter or hitting a um, guy slashing to the basket for an easy layup. Um, just love everything about Cameron's game and expect to see him produce similar numbers against the Oregon State Beavers on Saturday afternoon when this game tip, tips off. If the Beavers are going to pull off the upset, and I do mean pull off the upset, they're going to need a fantastic game from their senior guard, six foot five out of the city of Angels, um, Ethan Thomas. Averages about 15 points, um, right at about four assists per, per game. He's going to need to go for well over 20 points um, and have about five or six assists in this ball game because he is really their uh, primary scoring threat. And I think the way that the Ramblers play play defense, tough, hard nosed, gritty, that. If they were able to stifle uh, the Illini, who were a much bigger and more physical team than what Oregon State is, I don't see how Oregon State stays um, stays in this game, um, especially we get to that second media timeout um, in the second half. I think that's when you start to see the Ramblers really start to pull away and um, set themselves up for a shot to go to the Final Four on 
Monday um, times to be determined, but I expect um, the, the Ramblers and Sister Jean to play at least one more contest in this upcoming tournament. In our next contest, the Villanova Wildcats will be taking on the number one seed in the South region, the Baylor Bears. For me, this matchup is going to be one of those you hear styles make fights kind of deal. Well, for Villanova to win this ballgame, they're going to need a heroic performance from their fantastic sophomore, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Six foot nine, uh, sophomore out of Kansas City, Kansas, uh, averages about uh, 16 points and eight and a half rebounds per game. He's going to not only need to uh, hit those numbers, he's actually going to probably need to exceed those numbers going against this very uh, three-guard-oriented offense that uh, the Baylor Bears are going to put out on the court. And for the Bears, you got Jarrett Butler, Jr., uh, six-foot-three guard out of reserve, Louisiana. Almost 17 points per game, uh, chips in another uh, almost five assists per game, uh, solid uh, shooter from the free throw line, shoots almost 48% from the field, uh, really gets it done. Um, the matchup I want to see if they're going to, um, not for long stretches of the game, but just kind of, um, and this is for Baylor, to kind of frustrate Robinson Earl for uh, Villanova is putting their tremendous defender, uh, Davion Mitchell, a six foot two guard out of Haynesville, Georgia, on him just to kind of frustrate him a little bit, especially out on the perimeter. Now, if Robinson Earl wants to go down into the post, I would definitely uh, switch out of that matchup. But if he's going to play out on the outside, um, I definitely want to uh, throw some wrinkles at him with Mitchell uh, guarding him. To kind of give you a, a really good comparison of who Mitchell reminds me of as far as the NBA goes, he is a Pat Beverly type. And what do I mean by that? This guy's going to know what kind of bubble gum you chewed, what kind of deodorant you used, and whether you use bar soap or liquid um, in the shower. He is going to be all up in you. Definitely uh, one of those guys that's going to frustrate uh, you and could uh, possibly get Robson Earl to pick up maybe a cheap um, offensive foul, uh, whether it's through a charge or or offensive foul, if you will. So all the numbers uh, lead me to believe that uh, Baylor's going to come out with this victory and would not be at all surprised um, if that was the case. Here's the stat to look for. For Villanova in their first matchup against the 12-seeded um, Winthrop, they were only eight for 23 from behind the three-point line. Now, against North Texas in their last matchup, they were 15 for 30. I do not expect them to shoot 15 for 30. If they do, as I will say in an in a upcoming game here in just a moment, good night and God bless. Villanova will move on to the Elite Eight. But if they are not hitting those threes, especially early, Baylor will get out in transition, get some easy baskets, and that's when you could get, you could see a lead go from Baylor up maybe 
one or two to Baylor being up eight, nine, 10, 11 in a quick three or four minute stretch. So um, Villanova is coached by Jay Wright, um, a high caliber um, head coach there, but I just feel like this matchup is not one that suits Villanova as far as getting the win goes. And if Baylor shoots anywhere close to what they've done in the first two uh, rounds of the NCAA tournament uh, against uh, Hartford from the three-point line, 11 for 33, not a great percentage. But in their last matchup where they clearly dominated uh, Wisconsin from the opening tip-off until the final bell, uh, beating Wisconsin 76-63, to 63, they shot 8 for 17, so almost 50% without the volume. So if Baylor um, is able to knock down some threes and Nova is not able to uh, hit their threes, uh, this game could get away from Villanova in a hurry. And the next matchup is Oral Roberts taking on Arkansas. Now these two teams faced off uh, back in December. Uh, they're in Fayetteville where Oral Roberts actually had a 10-point lead at halftime, 40-30. to 30. Arkansas, Arkansas outscored them in the second half, 57-36, to 36, going on to win that game, 87-76. to 76. Now, Oral Roberts is led by the nation's leading scorer in Max Atmos, averaging uh, a tick under uh, 25 points per game with four assists. Now, in that matchup, he was held to 11 points, 4-4-11 field goal shooting, and 1-for-6 behind the three-point line. Arkansas is led by Moses Moody, a future uh, first-round pick coming up in the um, next draft in the uh, NBA. He chipped in with 18 points in that ballgame, shooting really good from the uh, field. So... What is it going to take and which games or which halves, should I say, are we going to see? Or Roberts keeping it close in the first half or getting boat raced like they got boat raced in the second half? I think Arkansas comes out um, knowing what this team is capable of, hurts uh, Oral Roberts in this matchup. Um, it's not like they get to kind of sneak up on a uh, P5 team that's going to possibly take them for granted by being on the court with uh, Oral Roberts uh, early on in the season gives Arkansas a taste of what this game could look like if they don't come out and take care of business, especially uh, there in the first half. Looking at what um, Aptness did in the um, last matchup against, uh, against Florida, where he went for 36 points, six rebounds, nine assists. He's going to need that kind of performance against the Arkansas Razorbacks for Oral Roberts to uh, pull off the upset here in this matchup. I don't see him going off for 36, especially with the amount of length and volume of defenders that uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks can run at him. And I don't see them getting enough scoring from anybody else to really kind of keep this um, keep this game close. 
the line has me a little concerned with it being 13, but after seeing what um, Arkansas was able to do to this team in the first matchup, especially in the second half, outscoring them by 21 points, would have no problem laying the uh, 13 uh, in this matchup. Expect the Hogs to roll and move on to the Elite Eight um, once this ball game is over with. And in the nightcap um, for the Saturday slate, the Syracuse Orangemen will be uh, taking on the Houston Cougars. And this is where I have my upset alert tracker uh, definitely running in this ball game. These two teams are very evenly matched. Syracuse scores about 76 points per game. Houston scores about 77 points per game. Syracuse gives up 67 uh, points per game. Houston gives up 58, per, 58 points per game. Both teams are really good rebounding the ball. Syracuse averages about 36 rebounds per game. Houston just a little bit better, averaging about 41 rebounds per game. Here's my key guy, guy to watch in this ball game. Has nothing to do with him being the coach's son. He is just a fantastic scorer, and that is Buddy Beheim. Against uh, San Diego State in the first uh, game for the Orange in the tournament, scored 30 points on 11 for 15 um, shooting from the field. Still cooking with peanut oil in the in the second game against West Virginia, scoring 25 points on 8 for 17 shooting. Buddy in the tournament thus far is 19 for 32 from the field. That's 60%. 27.5 points per game in this tournament. Does the Houston Cougars have an answer for him in this ballgame, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. And that's going to fall heavily on the shoulders of Houston guard Quentin Grimes. Averages about 18 points per game on about 40, 41% shooting from the field. Only a 77% uh, free throw shooter. That could be pay huge dividends if this game is tight going into um, the next to the last or the under eight uh, media um, timeout in the second half. But this game for me is going to be decided with rebounding. Syracuse, Quincy, Guerrero, and Houston uh, Cougar uh, for Justin uh, Corham. Whichever one of those young men are able to control the backboard um, will give his team an excellent opportunity to advance to the Elite Eight. Because as a great um, coach of mine once told me um, many, many years ago, he who owns the board gets to own the transition game. And what do I mean by that? If you're controlling the defensive boards, you can get out in transition. If you're able to offensive rebound, you give yourself a chance at second second chance points. And 
usually some of those wide open uh, wing threes come off of offensive rebounds. If Syracuse is able to get one of those, get a couple of those offensive rebounds, kicking out to Buddy Beheim for a wide open three, I have no doubt whatsoever that this kid will absolutely knock it down. Also, look to see which team goes on a quick six to eight point run, whether it's early on in the first half or coming right out of the uh, halftime break. Whoever controls that last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes going into the second half, I believe that team's going to come out with a win. Would not be surprised if Syracuse under Jim Beheim, who has a knack for doing this when he's a double-digit seed of getting not only to the Sweet 16, but um, onto the Elite Eight. And the last time that we really saw a score for the Syracuse Orange, Orange men take over in the NCAA tournament, was a young man with uh, cornrows named Carmelo Anthony who led them to their last national championship game. Buddy Bayham has that kind of ability, and if he puts up anywhere close to what he's been averaging in the first two games, almost 27 points per game, expect Syracuse to not only cover the six and a half, but to win the game outright. Thank you, Kenneth. And now after this quick break, Kenneth will give his thoughts on the games on Sunday. We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbeau and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm Changing the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport. To live lives of purpose, passion and platform. Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star, Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org The Rebel Walk is your source for the best coverage of Ole Miss sports. You can follow our good friend, Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie, and you can follow The Rebel Walk on Twitter at The Rebel Walk. Be sure to check out their website at www.therebelwalk.com. Head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career, and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting fight in Texas Aggie ever lived reveals his life as the on-field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with the youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics, and remains the youngest starting college athlete ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas on for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the greatest amateur sports story of all time. 
Welcome back, everyone. Kenneth, how do you see the games on Sunday? And let's kick off the Sunday slate with the number one overall seed and number one seed in the West region, uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, taking on the fifth seed, uh, Creighton Blue Jays. Gonzaga, um, a very balanced team. We've talked about um, on Twitter leading into this uh, tournament. Four guys averaging double figures, a fifth almost averaging double figures, uh, but they're led by one of the best players in the nation, and that's for forward Corey Kispert, averaging almost 20 points per game and shoots almost 90% from the free throw stripe. So um, a huge weapon uh, if they're ever in a game late in the ball game where they need to knock down free throws. This is definitely the guy that you want putting on the uh, free throw line. He also shoots 55% uh, from the field. Truly gets it done in every area of the ball game. For Creighton to continue this magic ride that they've been on, they're going to need a magical performance from guard Marcus Zugerwinski. Averages almost 16 points per game. In their last uh, game against Ohio, uh, he went for 20, 20 points on 7 for 16 uh, field goal shooting. In my opinion, he's going to need to go for almost 30 points in this contest. And he's also going to need some help from uh, Christian Bishop uh, to chip in with at least a double-double. So we're talking maybe 15 points, 12 rebounds. And even that might not be enough for uh, the Creighton Blue Jays to um, continue on. They, uh, in their opening game, a very close uh, contest, uh, contest with UCSB, uh, winning only 63-62. Really dominated Ohio, the Ohio Bobcats, like I mentioned, 72-58. But just take a look at what Gonzaga has been doing uh, to teams all season long. And it's been uh, one blowout after another. And it really hasn't mattered who the opponent is. Uh, in their opening round against Norfolk State, absolutely 98-55. But um, in their last matchup against Oklahoma, absolutely dominated that game from the opening tip-off all the way through, winning 87-71. to I have no problem in this contest laying the 13 with um, the Bulldogs of Gonzaga as they march on uh, with their undefeated record. Um, I think we'll go to 29-0, and advancing to the Elite Eight, and one step away from the Final Four, which this has been the goal for this team. And as I've tried to tell people all season long, this is not the Gonzaga team that uh, you're used to being disappointed into the tournament. To beat them this year, you're going to be NBA caliber players on this roster. You could see as many as three of their starters on NBA rosters by the time their college career is all said and done with uh, there in Spokane. I expect the Zags to roll, and I expect the Zags to roll big in this ballgame. Would not be surprised at all if it's um, around that same margin as they beat Oklahoma, and you're talking about a 16-point margin, which would not only cover uh, the spread, 
but of course winning winning outright. In our next contest, the Florida State Seminoles will be taking on the Michigan Wolverines. Juwan Howard trying to get his uh, alma mater back to the Final Four, while Leonard Hamilton, head coach for the Florida State Seminoles, is trying to reach, um, I think, their first uh, Final Four appearance with him at the helm there in Tallahassee. For the Florida State Seminoles to uh, get past the number one seed, uh, Michigan Wolverines in the East region. Definitely going to have to have a uh, standout game in all areas by MJ Walker, their tremendous six foot five uh, senior guard out of Riverdale, Georgia. Averages about 12 points per game, 80% free throw shooter, shoots about 44% from the field. Along with his running mate, um, Gray Barnes. And polite. The Florida State Seminoles also a, a very balanced team in this um, in this matchup. If Walker and um, Anthony Paulette are able to get cooking from behind the three point line, watch out. Both of these uh, young men shoot over forty percent from the three point line on the season, and if they're able to, like I said, get cooking early on in this ball game could definitely present a lot of problems for the Michigan Wolverines. For Michigan, they're led by their tremendous uh, front court player in Hunter uh, Dickinson, a freshman seven foot, 255 pounder out of Alexandria, Virginia. Definitely going to need a big game out of him as he comes in averaging about 14 points and about eight rebounds per game. Five of those rebounds coming on the defensive glass. Definitely as a seven footer, you want to see him not only dominate the defensive glass, but dominate the offensive glass as well. So I think in this contest, he needs to um, be a 20 and 10 guy in this ball game for the uh, Michigan Wolverines. They're expecting to be out with, uh, to not have their uh, tremendous standout uh, levers who would normally give them about 13 points per game and six rebounds. So Wagner and uh, Brooks are definitely going to have to pick up, um, pick up the slack for the Michigan Wolverines if they're going to be able to get past uh, the Florida State Seminoles in this contest. Versus LSU, Wagner had 15 points and seven rebounds. Brooks chipped in with 21 points and seven assists. Also got uh, production from Brown off the bench with 21 points. Think they're going to need a similar type performance uh, to knock out uh, Florida State to advance on to the Elite Eight. But for me, I do not see that happening. I don't think you're going to get those 21 points from Brown off the bench. I don't know if you're going to get Brooks to be able to chip in with another 20 points and if Dickinson is not going to give me 20 points and 10 rebounds in this ball game, I have the Florida State Seminoles advancing on to Monday, Monday's game in the Elite Eight for a chance to go to the Final Four. In our next contest, uh, the 11th seed UCLA Bruins will be taking on the number two seed Alabama Crimson Tide.
for UCLA, who won their playing game against Michigan State in a overtime thriller, 86 to 80, have done nothing but lay waste to their next two opponents, beating BYU 73 to 62, and winning their last game against Abilene Christian by 20 points, 67 to 47. What they face um, in this matchup is not going to be Abilene Christian, uh, who only puts up 47 points um, for the total. They're going to be taking on a team who can put up 47 points in the first half alone in the Alabama Crimson Tide. UCLA is led by Johnny Justine, averaging almost 15, um, 15 points per game. Shoots about 43% from the field, almost 40% from the three-point line, and shoots almost 91% from the free-throw line. So this is definitely not the guy you want to be putting on the foul strike. Um, also joined by uh, Chris Smith, Jamie Jaquez, and Jules Bernard, all of them who shoots uh, 40% or better from the three-point line. So Alabama's definitely going to need a – um, solid defensive effort all around, especially guarding that three-point line if um, they're going to uh, advance on. Make no mistake about this. If those threes aren't falling for UCLA, like Maryland, um, Alabama's last opponent, the lights could get turned out and turned out in a hurry. Uh, for the Crimson Tide, led by SEC Player of the Year. Defensive player of the year, and I think a bona fide uh, top 15 pick in um, the next NBA draft, and that's uh, Herbert Jones. For a player um, comparison, think of a young Scottie Pippen when he first got to Chicago coming out of, um, I think it's Arkansas State or Arkansas Pine Bluff, I can't remember, but can guard every position on the floor. So to expound on that just a little bit more, he can guard your point guard, both wing guys, your power forward, which there really, really isn't in this modern game of um, pace and space now, or even your stretch five. This guy, like I said, will defend, block shots, rebound. He would take, uh, take the tickets at the gate, he will sell the popcorn. He would do whatever uh, SEC uh, Coach of the Year and Nate Oates need him to do for the Alabama Crimson Tide to win. And I want you to think about this. In the uh, game against Maryland, where the, the Tide were, uh, this game was never really in doubt uh, from pretty much after the second media timeout. He missed most of the first half uh, due to foul trouble. And the Tide still went on to literally roll, if you will, against the Maryland Terrapins. If Shackerford and Petty are knocking down uh, three-point shots in this ball game, and if for some reason the UCLA Bruins aren't able to hit their threes, this game, like I said, could get out of control in a hurry. And just taking a look back at what UCLA did against BYU, 
eight for 19 from the three-point line. Yes, shooting 42% is fantastic. But against a team like Alabama, who has the ability to score 85, 90 points in a ball game, you're going to need to shoot a higher percentage and knock down a higher number of volume of shots from the three-point line. If you're not able to do that against Alabama, like I said, this team can put you to bed and put you to bed in a hurry. Taking a look at what Alabama did against Maryland in that contest, they shot 16 for 33 from behind the three-point line. That's almost 50%. If Alabama's going to shoot and knock down, which I've said all season long, the key for Alabama to win if it's not the percentage that they shoot from the three-point line. It's the number of made threes. If they get close to that 12 or 13 made three numbers, I don't care what UCLA does at that point. It is turn off the lights. Alabama advances on to the Elite Eight on Monday afternoon. The line here has continuously crept, uh, crept up, uh, opening up at, uh, five and a half in some uh, shops. It's all the way up to seven. This is Vegas sig signaling. Money is continuously coming in on the Alabama Crimson Tide, and hit, and it has not stopped since um, these games were uh, first put up for um, people to place wagers on. I expect Alabama to get the win. I expect them to uh, cover that uh, six points, if you will, and have no issue with Alabama rolling past the UCLA Bruins on past um, the Sweet 16 for the first time in almost 20 plus years and making their appearance in the Elite Eight. And our final contest for uh, this round of the Sweet 16 is a matchup between two Pac-12 um, teams in the Oregon Ducks and the Trojans of USC. These teams met back in February in conference play when the Trojans just absolutely destroyed uh, the Ducks 72 to 58. UC, USC is led by, I think, future lottery pick uh, Evan Mobley, who comes in averaging 16 and a half points per game and almost nine rebounds per game six of those rebounds he averages comes on the defensive glass so um, he's able to start that transition by um, cleaning up the defensive glass and um, usually cleaning up at the rim uh, converting on a fast break layup for the Oregon Ducks they are going to have to do something to slow down um, Mobley in this ball game. I don't really see that happening in this ball game, and I expect the Trojans to go on and defeat the Oregon Ducks in this matchup. Now the line is only two in this ball game, and I think um, that line is is definitely under undervalued here, if you will. We just saw the Trojans just absolutely dismantle. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks, 85 to 51. And 
to be honest with you, the game wasn't even that close. I mean, this game could have easily been a 50-point blowout, if you will. Now, credit the Ducks for getting past um, the Iowa Hawkeyes, 95-80. to I just think going up against a team from your own conference, they can't really throw anything at you that you haven't seen because, once again, kind of like the Oral Roberts-Arkansas game, while this isn't, uh, that wasn't a conference matchup, having been on the court with, with your opponent before really gives you a leg up as far as what they do well and what they don't do well. So you can take pieces of that game plan back from just a couple of months ago and really institute a lot of that for this matchup. I expect um, USC to win and win by more than uh, the two points that this game is listed at and would have no problem even if the line crept up a little bit on Sunday night to still lay it even all the way up to three and a half in in this ballgame. So that's the breakdown um, for me between the Oregon Ducks and USC Trojans. On behalf of Summer, Billy, and myself, this is Kenneth. Hopefully you enjoy uh, this podcast and enjoy the four games on Saturday and the four games on Sunday as we wrap up the round of 16 and get ready for the Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday. Thank you.